Okay. We're a minute early, but we were looking at the posterior triangle area in the neck. We would take the sternomastoid muscle down the front. We take the edge of the trapezius across the back and then the clavicle across the bottom. Gives you that triangular region. And then we were looking, we were then looking at some of the things associated with that particular area. We said, first of all, that the, you take the skin off of that region, then underneath the skin, right at the sub, uh, superficial fascial layer, right underneath the dermis of the skin, we would have the platysma muscle, which is a muscle of facial expression. You can contract that muscle, tighten the skin underneath your chin. We also mentioned the fact that that muscle is uh, associated and grouped with a series of other muscles around your face so that you can have facial expression. One around your eye, the orbicularis oculi, one around your mouth, orbicularis oris, so you can squint and you can pucker your lips and those types of things. They're all, they're all grouped together into that same category just underneath the skin and you contract them and, oops, didn't want to do that. You contract them and you get muscles of uh, facial expression. These muscles of facial expression are all going to be innervated by the seventh cranial nerve. The facial nerve is responsible for contracting all of those muscles. I think we looked at that a little bit when we were going. So we, we look at the, the patisma. Then uh, fairly superficially underneath the skin, we're going to be picking up the external uh, jugular vein. We pick it up, we develop it by bringing down this way the superficial temporal vein, comes down this way, and then coming across deep to the mandible will be the maxillary vein. When those two things merge just in front of your ear, they're going to form the retromandibular vein. The retromandibular vein splits into two. The posterior division of the retromandibular vein will meet up with a vein coming back from behind your ear, posterior auricular vein, and when those merge, they form the external jugular vein. External jugular vein would come down from across the sternomastoid muscle, empty into the subclavian vein. Another look at the same thing. Here's a, a bigger view of the superficial temporal vein. You can see the area of drainage from that vein. And you can just barely pick out the maxillary vein coming back this way behind the mandible. Merge the two together, you get the retromandibular. Bring back the posterior auricular and hook it with the retromandibular and you get the external jugular. So here's the external jugular vein coming down this way. And it's going to then dump into the subclavian vein here. This picture also shows the internal jugular vein, which we're not going to be worried about. The internal jugular vein is the vein that drains the venous blood from inside the cranial cavity. And it's going to come down and empty into the subclavian vein, just a little bit medial to where the external jugular comes in. The two things are going to be fairly close together there. Okay. But we're not going to worry at all about the internal jugular. We're just taking the external jugular because it's going to be a structure that you can see will have uh, some relationship to that posterior triangular region. Now, to take a look at then the floor to the triangle. Here's the same thing. Here's the external jugular vein coming down across the sternal mastoid muscle. You'll notice that it's going to be a component then uh, within the posterior triangle. Coming like that. Taking a look at what will now form the floor to this triangle. We've taken the roof off. That was the skin and the platysma. And now we're going to take a look at the floor. So we'll start up at the top and work our way down. Muscle back way up here at the top is called the splenius capitis muscle. Splenius capitis muscle is a neck extender, and you can, you know, bend your neck side to side with it. Here is the splenius capitis muscle. We take a look at it from here. Comes from the ligament of nuchi, which was that very elastic ligament that will attach to the external occipital protuberance here, and then it attaches to the 
spines of the cervical vertebrae. We'll also pick up some attachment from the, the uh, thoracic vertebrae. Come up and attach onto the mastoid process and the superior nuchal line. If you look in the back of a skull when you get to the lab, you'll notice that there's a fairly prominent bump in the back of the occipital bone, external protuberance, and then traveling laterally away from that will be a ridge, and that's the uh, superior nuchal line. So this is going to give you part of the attachment then for this muscle, the splenus capitis muscle. We don't need to worry about it other than the fact that it is, when we take a look at the floor to the triangle, that muscle's there. We're not going to look at its nerve innervation. We don't really particularly pay that much attention to what it does. It does allow you to extend your neck, as an example. But we're just mentioning it now because it's, it's there when we take a snapshot of this region. We don't really look at it in that much detail. Then if we come down to the next one here, that's the levator scapulae muscle. Levator scapulae muscle we'll look at in a little more detail a couple pages along when we take a look at these muscles. But for now, we'll just take a, little, we'll take a snapshot of it. It will come from the uh, spinous processes of the, uh, not spinous, the uh, transverse processes of the upper four cervical vertebrae, and it'll come down and attach onto the superior angle of the scapula. It'll be in, innervated by the dorsal scapular nerve, the same one that does the rhomboids. But once again, we'll look at the levator scapulae muscle and the rhomboids in the next couple of pages, so we're not going to worry too much about it at this point. We'll pick up the detail uh, a little later on. But as I mentioned, once again, if you take a look at the floor here, we have to pick up the levator scapulae muscle as a, as a muscle that will be uh, helping to form the floor to this posterior triangle. Right? Then the next one, if we're going along, is a series of muscles called scalenic muscles. I think it means Greek for uneven because they're not quite all the same length. So we're looking at scalenus anterior muscle, which is this one. Let's start off with the scalenus anterior. We'll do it here. Comes from the uh, anterior tubercles on the uh, transverse processes of uh, cervical vertebrae uh, three through six. Comes down and attaches onto the top surface of the first rib. That's the scalenus anterior muscle. That would be this one. If we come just a little bit behind it, we'll have the scalenus medius muscle. It comes from the posterior tubercles of the um, yeah, cervical vertebrae. I think it's two through six. Is it two through six? I think I have, yeah, something like that. And it's going to come down and attach to the top surface of the first rib as well. And then it, uh, it's not in the book. I haven't put it in because some people include it and some people don't include it. It's a muscle called the scalenus posterior. It comes from the, the last two or three uh, cervical vertebrae, and it comes down and attaches onto the second rib. Now, there will be some, uh, the reason I haven't included it is, in most cases, this posterior, scalenus posterior muscle is, you cannot separate it from the scalenus medius muscle, so they sort, so, sort of bundle the two things up together. So it's not mentioned specifically in the notes, the posterior one. Now here we have a series of muscles called the scalenus anterior muscle, comes down and attaches on to the top of the first rib. Right behind it is the scalenus medius muscle. It's coming from the posterior tubercles of the transverse process of cervical vertebrae, attaching onto the first rib just behind the attachment of the uh, scalenus anterior. And then a little further back, almost the back part of the scalenus medius muscle, is the scalenus posterior muscle, and it's coming down and attaching onto the top of the second rib. So if we go back and take a look at that floor again, you'll notice we will have, they, they included here, a little bit of the scalenus posterior muscle 
Then we have the scalenus medius muscle, the middle scalene muscle, they call it, and then the anterior one here. So these ones are helping to then form the floor to the posterior triangle way down uh, by around the level of the clavicle. Okay. And a couple of things you'll notice on this. Uh, fairly important landmarks. The scalenus anterior muscle comes down and attaches onto the top of the first rib. Passing in front of the scalenus anterior muscle, over top of the first rib, here, will be the subclavian vein. Subclavian vein is going to be the continuation of the axillary vein. We're going to go underneath the clavicle and over the first rib, and that vein will now travel in, in front of the scalenus anterior muscle. Comes across this way. Come like that. If we go immediately behind the scalenus anterior muscle, that is between the anterior one and the middle one, we now have the subclavian artery. The subclavian artery is the artery that will pass underneath the clavicle and over the first rib. Once it passes about that margin there of the first rib, will change its name and it'll be the axillary artery. But in this picture, it would be then the subclavian artery traveling this way. The subclavian artery will go between the scalenus anterior and the scalenus medius muscle. And in fact, traveling with uh, the subclavian artery will be the brachial plexus that we looked at before. So that scalenus anterior muscle, scalenus medius muscle become fairly important landmarks in being able to uh, follow and look at the pathway of the subclavian vein and the pathway of the subclavian artery. And if you go to the lab and take a look at one of those first ribs, depending upon which one you get, a lot of them are real first ribs, so it is what it is. You, you can't change it. There will be... Here's another look at the same thing. Let's see if I have a, I put that picture in here. I can't. Ah, there's a look at the first rib. This is the front part of the first rib that will attach onto the manubrium. Here's the back part which will attach onto the uh, first thoracic vertebrae. Here's that tubercle on the top surface of the first rib for the scalenus anterior muscle. The scalenus medius muscle will attach a little bit further back. So it's going to have a little bit bigger roughening back here. That creates between the scalenus, behind the scalenus anterior muscle, a small groove for the subclavian artery, and in front of this tubercle, a groove for the subclavian vein. And if you take a look at two or three of those first ribs, and you look at it and look along the rib itself, 